0: There are many talented foodies in the dairy goat world, and on this week's episode of Goat Gap, we take a walk on the sweet side of life by introducing you to Stacy Roussel from Needville, Texas. Join us as we learn about Stacy's unique dairy goat popsicles and the beautiful life she's made with her micro-dairy at All We Need Farms. Welcome back, Goat Gabbers, to another exciting rendition of Goat Gab. We're really happy to have you with us today. Um, as always, I'm one of your co-hosts, Laura Warren-Hughes.
1: And I'm the other co-host, Cameron Judlowski. And today we have a very sweet guest on the podcast. Laura, you want to tell the people who's joining us this week,
0: Yep. I'm very excited that we have Stacy Roussel with us from Texas. And I had the pleasure of meeting Stacy at the Adga Convention this past fall. And if you were in Tucson, you probably met Stacy too, but maybe didn't realize it. Um, on the night of the products reception, Stacy was a standout. And I feel very confident in saying that because she was the only person there who had this amazing dairy goat product. And that would be goat milk popsicles. And uh, I was like, huh, this is new. Never seen this at an ADGA event before. And boy, am I glad that I did see it. And I was telling Stacy and Cameron before we started that um, that's probably the best thing I ate at the whole time that I was at the convention. And during that products reception, I really was thinking – hard about whether or not I could sneak in there and get a second one because they were just absolutely amazing. So, Stacey, we're so glad to have you. You want to tell a little bit about yourself?
2: Yeah, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Um, I I own and operate a micro dairy uh, southwest of Houston. We raise uh, about 40 head of Nubian and La Mancha and crosses between the two. Um, Generally, in any given season, I have about 20 milkers on my line. Um, and we run a state-inspected dairy in a commercial commercial kitchen, um, and make a goat milk popsicle with all the with all the milk that comes from our goats. Um, our pops are real simple: uh, three simple ingredients, uh, whole milk from our farm, uh, cane sugar, and then natural flavors. And
0: those flavors are outstanding. Um, I know she's going to talk a little bit more about it, but. Very unique things. And I'm not just talking chocolate, strawberry, and vanilla. So um it'll be it'll be fun to hear a little bit more about how she did that. So thank you again, Stacy, for being here. Cameron, would you like to introduce our amazing sponsor for this week?
1: Yeah, this week uh we thought along with the goat milk products theme that we would introduce our sponsors, uh Rockin' S Ranch, Amanda Shipley from Roughsdale, Pennsylvania. Uh, Though newer to the world of goats, Amanda focuses her breeding program on mammary system, longevity, and milk production for her herd of Nubians, along with a token of alpine and experimental doe. Additionally, Amanda owns her own soap company, the Gossip Goat Soap Company. Gossip Goat Soap sells soap, body scrubs, and bath bombs. This is not only available around the eastern Pennsylvania area, but also available online. If you want to find some of Amanda's products, you can go ahead and look them up online at Gossip excuse me, gossipgoatsoap.net, or you can find them on Facebook at Gossip Goat Soap uh, as well. Thank you, Amanda S. Ranch and Gossip Goat Soap Company, uh, for sponsoring this week's podcast.
0: Yes, thank you, Amanda. I know I kind of jumped ahead to that, but I was just so excited, <laughs> so couldn't do it. What do yeah. you have going on at your farm, Cameron?
1: Yeah, um, it's a uh, Milk, uh, sleep, repeat. I think that's kind of been the whole model this week here. Not really on the road traveling. Um, we were in, I like to say we're inducing and then we're reducing. Uh, we've figured out a couple of the bucks that we have and we're going to take them to the pepperoni man as well, along with a couple other, um, we'll call them stragglers on our farm here. Um, reduce some uh, redundancy we have in the herd there. So uh, excited to get some of them moved out of the way as well there. I'm um, going to do some hauling hay as well there this weekend. Um, we're recording on Friday, which is a little different here, but it's just muddy and slick. Like I almost slipped on the ice mud that oh. was at my house.
0: That's no <laughs> fun. I'll, I'll take snow any day over that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, absolutely. St- uh, go ahead.
0: Stacy. I'm guessing you don't have a lot of
2: that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking, oh, uh, I don't know what I would do with either one of those. It's like ice or snow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm a
0: northern girl at heart. So I do like the snow, but the older I get, the real the more I realize I don't bounce well. And falling <laughs> on my butt on ice just really makes me angry and also embarrasses me. So it doesn't make a happy Laura. That is
1: for sure. Yeah. Definitely there. Uh, let's bounce around here, Stacy. What's happening on your farm?
2: Oh, we have, we've had great weather this week in South Texas, like seventy degree days. So, um, thinking about ice and snow. Oh man, I can't even even imagine. Um, we, you know, getting ready, prepped for kidding. Our kidding season starts next week. Um, I think I have seven does that will kid between now and the first week of May. So uh, getting ready for that last minute things like finishing the painting of our milk room and our kitchen. Um, I made a bunch of deliveries to Austin and North Houston this week. Um, And then trying to keep a close eye on all my girls that are are so round and beautiful right now. Met with a lot of friends this week because, you know, once we start our busy season, the chances for that go down. And super exciting today. My husband brought home six, um, large black hogs from our, fa- our friends at Shiner Pork. So we, we're gonna, we have a pig project that we do for some land management on our farm. And then those pigs also, uh, get rid of uh, excess milk or milk waste that we have and, um, provide meat for some of our customers' freezers. So yeah, That's it's, awesome. uh, gonna be. A it's like at the beginning of a really hopefully great year. That does
0: sound like fun. I was trying to explain to somebody the other day about um, milk fed pork, that it's just, it's just almost a different meat from what you expect. And it's so oh. tender and so mild and, and tastes so good. and flavor,
2: uh, Just amazing. Yeah. Just yeah. really, a, really a little, good.
1: A little fun fact as well. If you have like old boar, Fun fact: and you feed them milk, it's actually going to take the boar taint out. My professors at Iowa State didn't believe me on that, but I've tasted the pork and can confirm it can take out that boar uh, taint there.
0: Like you feed the milk to the boars before they meet their final destination.
1: Yes, y- yes, you, yes, you. I think you castrate them first, but then the theory. I was the going to ask. Yeah, yeah. The theory is that you know the boar, the 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 male um, hormones uh, taint the meat there and they're sitting in that body for a long time but if you feed them the milk well, allegedly it gets rid of the boar taint I, I don't know if there's any science behind it but I've tasted this <laughs> before
2: interesting good to know that is yeah. interesting uh, We I haven't looked to see what genders we have but uh, I, I did ask if they were male that they would be uh, cut so you know the So less taint for our farm. Yeah, right. Also, we don't need any more piglets. No. (laughs) Don't need to be making bacon there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I was just smiling inside uh, Stacy's term about the does, you know, the big round girls keeping an eye on them it's one of my favorite times of year when they're all fat and pregnant and happy and you walk outside and they have that hum thing going I love, on.
2: I love the hum. I yeah. do
0: too. I do too. And um, I've, I've got my first doe in the maternity pen right now. She's due to kid. Well, she'll kid probably by the time we end this podcast. Oh, so mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'm very excited. But when I walked out there, of course, the other ladies in waiting who aren't quite as far along, they are all laying in there, respective piles. Cause of course, you know, everybody has their own sleep mate and, and they're all doing the hum this afternoon. So I'm like, yeah, this is, this is a good time. I like this. It's the, the last stretch. Exactly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and they just and look so pretty and big bodied.
1: But then you guys will all be miserable like me and milking goats. No, I'm kidding.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would be a different conversation in a few weeks, probably. <laughs> well, stay tuned, right? <laughs> right, right.
0: <laughs> you know, the only thing I can say is you know, there are there are a lot of goat chores that I do get tired of doing. Feeding babies is one of them. But I really never get tired of milking. it. it that is just... That's my Zen time. That's my peaceful time. I love starting out the morning. There's nothing better than um, laying your head against a warm goat body while you're milking and and that rhythmic, the rhythmic feel and the rhythmic sound of the milk hitting the pail. And I just, I just love that.
2: That just, that really gives me peace. When they smell like hay and the sweet smell of that milk it's just beautiful. I agree. Yeah, it is. Totally. Yeah. Um, Let's see.
0: Anything else? We, so I have a couple of does who in the past, I really think probably were boarding bordering on um, ketosis or toxemia at different times. And one of them um, is kind of a special one and she's seven this year. So, you know, getting up there in, in age a little. And so I kind mm-hmm. of broke down and purchased one of those ketone slash glucose meters to kind mm-hmm. of hopefully watch for ketosis and maybe head it off um her daughter is is a coming yearling and and carrying triplets and so i kind of noticed the other day she's acting a little tenderfooted and is off a little bit so i thought it might be a good idea to do that so um you know if any of our listeners have any uh hints or tips that they want to share on using those have either one of you got, guys used one
2: no, the first I heard about it was on your on your podcast. I was curious if you had used it and if your visual um cues matched up with what the meter told you. Like if what um, you were seeing corresponded. Right, yeah, that's what I'm kind
1: of curious too. I am I am holding out um until my fiance gets uh accept, or starts her job so she will have one then. So then we won't need one uh, to buy one. That's-
0: smart man (laughs) but really it really wasn't expensive the biggest problem is that it, it was kind of hard to find a lot of places are sold out but i happened to find a place and i ordered it wednesday and it the ups guy brought it to me today so even in rural missouri things you know tend to come quickly at times so and it came from Wisconsin so that was kind of that was kind of nice to get it so I've been doing of course a lot of research into studies that talk about what norms are and and at what point you should treat and and I know that um, you know there have been some information shared on Facebook from what other uh, herds have done and that that's great. But I guess the nurse in me really likes to see the science behind things. And so it's just, it's kind of fascinating to see that there have been some published studies and you know, published in uh, veterinary journals about dairy goats and ketosis. So it's, it's kind of interesting. I'll let you know what I find out about it. Yeah, Please do keep us posted. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of fun. The last thing is, you know, I, I would guess I'm maybe not in a total minority but it seems like every year when we get to this time of year and and because i have to buy my own hay sometimes it gets difficult to find really good hay so i'm on a quest for hay again and uh um blessedly having some older daughters coming home tomorrow that are gonna be on the hay wagon with me picking up some hay this weekend so that'll be fun i i think it's fun i don't think they do but that's that's the way it goes so
2: how far do you have to drive to get your
0: help? Um, well, this, not very far this time, about 45 minutes. So that's a good thing. <laughs> so, yeah.
2: yeah.
0: Do you use squares or rounds? Squares. We do squares. I just don't have a good way to store rounds. I don't have a lot of hay storage. so Yeah.
2: Look, we all fight that, I guess. Everybody. Yeah, do you I, use rounds or squares? No, we use squares. And our our hay guy that I'm using now, he has a really neat way that he bundles 14 squares together. So when he loads it in, he can use a tractor. So we only have to unload when we get home, which is really a lot better than doing it twice in a day, loading and unloading, you know? Yes. Okay,
1: uh, moving right along here, Stacy, the main topic, your farm, Um, uh, excuse me, Stacy's farm there. I can't even talk there. All we need farm, uh, excuse me there. Let's talk a little bit about kind of your herd, why you chose Nubians there. Uh, what was kind of the draw for them from like, a commercial standpoint? Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, well, when we bought our first goats, we weren't thinking about about commercial (laughs) a commercial herd so uh at the time uh i was uh i had a vegetable farm so we were raising um four acres of vegetables um and selling those for market in houston i had like five uh restaurants that supported our farm and we had a csa with 75 families that um bought from us every week um 200 chickens, and at that point, I was raising about 12 pigs a year for shares. Um, and my kids I have two daughters, and they asked for some, they wanted goats for Christmas, so uh, we said yes to those goats, and they kind of stole my heart, you know. The thing about dairy goats is they they reproduce every year, so you can have milk, and then we had 10 goats in milk before I turned around, so it was like. (laughs) Four acres of vegetables, 200 chickens, 12 pigs, and 10 goats in milk. (laughs) That's a lot. Oh, my gosh. And my husband said, Stacy, you are going to go crazy. Like, we got to do something about this. I had a college kid. His name was Clay. And Clay was working with me part time. So it was me and Clay, and we were pulling all that stuff off, you know? Um, And so... I, t- I took a, a holistic management class. I don't know if you guys have heard of the Holistic Management Institute. They, no. they teach whole farm planning. It was a great, great six-month experience for me. So One weekend a month for about six months, I would go to different ranches and farms all over Texas. And it was a group of women farmers and ranchers that were meeting with HMI, and they would teach us a different topic um, every time we met. So maybe one time it was about farm accounting. Maybe the next time it was about time management, right? So I came out of that program kind of with my eyes opened a little. I studied accounting in school. I'm a CPA. So I I worked um, in Houston in Houston. Um, before starting my farm, so but farm accounting is different, right? So like having that those classes kind of um, helped to me to think of my farm in different terms, and I got a um, a mentor out of that that program. Her name was Peggy Maddox, and Peggy came to my farm. I never forget. She and her husband sat at my table, and she said. Stacy, you gotta pick one thing you gotta pick one thing and do it real well <laughs> and so i we we took her advice and and clay was was um at a point where he was transitioning, so uh he was able to find another job and I took a year off, and I really thought about what our family enjoyed and what we my kids wanted to do and how could they be involved in the farm and everything that we were doing? And they kept saying over to and over to me, Mama, we really like the goats. We really like the goat babies. We really like the goats. And so I. I spent a year thinking about what could we do with these goats. We had Nubians and we had a La Mancha cross at the time. One, um, and so thinking about the components that were in their milk and what was it suited for. And and at the time there were five farms in Houston making Chev with Nubians, right? All with the same kind of goats. So and I knew all those people by their first names. You know, like I didn't want to come in to that market and take something away from my friends. So um, we were just exploring different things, maybe hard cheeses, like maybe you can make butter, maybe you can make sour cream, maybe we could do this or that. And my kids eat a lot of ice cream, right? And so... (laughs) We were buying ice cream at the store, and and a good friend of mine says you have milk. Why, like, why don't you make your own ice cream? And so Jay bought me a little. My husband bought me a little Cuisinart, like a like a countertop ice cream maker, and I started playing around with ice cream, and you know it was okay. And one day, Jessie, my daughter, she ruined her breakfast because she was making oatmeal and she dumped the whole container of cinnamon. <laughs> oh. <laughs> And I said, oh, baby, don't worry, mama. I'll just make ice cream with it. And so I just threw the oatmeal with all that cinnamon in with the goat milk. And it made an amazing ice cream. You're kidding. Really good. <laughs> right? And so my husband came home from work and I said, oh, you got to try this. And he's, he, he ate it and said, Stacy, you know what? You can make money with this. <laughs> So I uh, had a friend who had supported our farm. She was a chef in Houston. Her name is Monica Pope. And Monica was the first person to buy my vegetables from me when I grew vegetables. So here I am with this crazy ice cream and I brought it to her and I said, Monica, what do you think? You think people buy this? You think it's good enough? Like, could we do this? And she said, yeah, Stacy, but put it on a stick so that's how we came up with the idea for popsicles and and I didn't choose my burrito goat. I mean, they chose me, I guess, because my kids <laughs> wanted those the ears, you know? So, uh, it just kind of worked out like that. Yeah. Wow, that is wow.
0: fascinating. So, so do all, I mean, not asking you to give away trade secrets at all, but is oatmeal a component in all of your, um, goat pops?
2: No, and I haven't made the oatmeal cinnamon popsicle, but I think this might be the year. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, no, our pops are just milk and cane sugar. And then we add flavors to them. So that um, habanero, habanero tarragon pop that you had at convention. So because I came out of market vegetable growing, right, if I see a vegetable farmer at the end of my market that has leftover sweet corn or leftover this or that, we try I buy it up in quantity and we try to incorporate it in a popsicle. So that's one of the ways that we make new flavors. And so I had a, a farmer with a big bag of habaneros, and we dehydrated all of those. And on a slow week where we were like looking for ideas and we can't think of of the next new flavors, like, well, what do we have? And we had a big bag of dried habaneros and I like tarragon. So I just mixed it together and it made something I thought was pretty good. Yeah. For our listeners who are sitting there thinking that is the
0: weirdest sounding popsicle <laughs> I have ever heard of. I'm not going to argue with you on that, but when I was at that reception at the convention and um, got to choose what I wanted and I thought, you know what, if you have a choice in life, choose weird. So um, <laughs> I decided let's, let's go for it. And it, it's just even harder to describe how amazing it was, but it really was amazing. Not, it wasn't hot. It was the perfect blend of savory and sweet. And it it was just amazing. I That's all I can say about it. So <laughs> don't, don't knock it till you try it.
2: I think I could use that as a tagline. We specialize in weird. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, in that case, that, yeah.
1: <laughs> Well, I think that that helps the or that represents the Austin market you're in quite well. There.
2: <laughs> yeah, we we have three freezers in Austin. One at a cheese shop, Antonelli's Cheese Shop one at a bee farm that's actually in bee cave outside of austin and we make honey pops with their honey for them um the other is in uh manor texas uh my friend jenna her she has a bee tree farm and we have a freezer she does she has a dairy there on her farm and and they make cheese um, and she does, uh, agritourism. So they're, uh, working with a couple that just moved from Vermont and they're partnering together on a venture to, 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 make cheese and then also do receptions and things. So our pops would be a kind of a main part of her event space there. So that's, that's awesome. A, yeah. What,
1: I guess, what are your, what are the flavors that you have available now?
2: We have 40 flavors, y'all. Oh, wow. Get, wow. Right? So, because I like making, I'm serious when I say I make a new flavor every week. We try something. Like, even if it's just like, what are we going to? So, it goes everywhere from strawberry, chocolate, vanilla. We make a cajeta popsicle, which is a goat milk caramel. That is amazing. So the cajeta we source from Blue Heron Farm in Waller, Texas, because they make a very consistent, very beautiful cajeta. We mix it with our milk. That popsicle won Best Bites at the Houston Livestock Show. It, it, um, is pretty fantastic. Um, I make an avocado popsicle. It's my personal favorite. I like avocados, and people think that avocado sweet is weird, but it is so creamy and so delicious and so good. Um, yeah, from anywhere from spicy cranberry, which is similar in um, savory to what you had at convention with the habanero, all the way to uh, banana pudding. Oh, my gosh, that is That was a request from a chef friend of mine. He said, Stacey, please make this banana pudding. And my goodness, I can't tell y'all. That is pretty fantastic. (laughs) Popsicle. It got its own label this year. So that's how we roll. We have our core flavors. They have their own label, like strawberry, chocolate, vanilla, cajeta, avocado. And then once something sticks and it sticks really well, um, we make a label for it. I just got the label for banana pudding today from my graphic artist, and it's pretty cool. So Coconut got a label this year, banana pudding and cookies and cream. So, oh, yum. But not so, habanero yet. Not, not habanero. Yet. I haven't sold enough of it. People think it's too out there, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is, but it's worth trying. So so maybe you're going to have a run on that now. It's a, it's a way that we can um, also... Key people, so I do a farmers market in Houston every Saturday, right? And so there's consistent people that consistently come every week, and so every week I want to have something new for them to try if they're adventurous, like something new and tasty and different, and something that'll make them stop and think, huh banero tarragon, like who would have ever thought of that? But. And it turns out pretty good and they're happy and they come back the next week to see what's new in the case. So, and then you have folks that stick every week, have a guy that buys strawberry and avocado every week consistently. And another lady that buys lemon and strawberry every week. And they never venture out of their comfort zone because they know what they like. Gotta appreciate that. So
0: That is just, that is amazing.
1: That is so cool. So how did you get all of these people to buy into the crazy popsicle idea and get them to stock your product?
2: Uh, You mean the retail locations that we have?
1: Yep. Yep. The retail locations.
2: Yeah. A lot of that is relationships, right? So because I did vegetables way before I, I knew a lot of chefs so that, that we're in a few restaurants in Houston that is long-term relationships with those folks, you know? Um, and, and then it's word of mouth. Um It's interesting, like rolling with COVID over the last few years, like you just don't know where the foot traffic is going to be. My husband and I talk about this all the time. It's, Not a consistent, hasn't been a consistent thing for the last two years. So where are people going? Where are they buying? Where are they looking for a product like mine? And that in 2022 looks a lot different than it did in 2019. I can guarantee you. So we had a big focus on being in small mom and pop restaurants. And then as, you know, people got away from that, gone, to eat out during the last two years, we we transitioned more to um, working in different ways. So fl- flexibility definitely had had to uh, rear its head there. Yeah. So we so that's how we picked up um, the these farm um, freezers. So I talked about the two in Austin. I have another location in Lagrange, and they actually have a cow dairy. So they milk cows and <laughs> they sell raw cow's milk off their farm. And she has a very beautiful little store that they sell a lot of things and they do tours. So she has our pops, our goat milk popsicles in her cow dairy to support uh, small ag in and around Texas. It's pretty cool. And so we saw a rise in those freezers because when people are looking for a way to get outside to engage um, their kids in things they can do during not being locked up in the house. Those farms were a place where people could go. So Jenna's farm and and um, my friend Faith's farm in LaGrange so, um, helped to keep me in business. Yeah, during that t- crazy time. So um, moving and grooving and being really flexible with, with um, how we manage to sell what we do is the key, yeah. That is just fascinating.
0: Um, kind of looking back on your whole farm again. Um, So Nubians and La Manches, talk a little bit about how, how you approach it from a holistic
2: standpoint. Yeah. I spoke a little bit about HMI and about um, my background. I think I look at my farm in a very unconventional way. Right. Um, because I studied accounting in school and my, my, I didn't grow up in a farm family. My dad was uh, um, an electrician at our local uh, the Shell refinery uh, where I grew up, and my mom was like a school schoolteacher. Um, and so, farming was like two generations, maybe a generation on my dad's side, removed from our family. Um, I studied accounting and just was unhappy in that role of being in an office and wearing a suit and heels every day. And, um, so that led me to Jay looking at me and seeing me miserable and saying, "Stacey, just find something that you enjoy doing. Right. And, and that, um, the people that I met along that journey have kind of influenced the way that I look at my farm. Um, I met a retired priest who said, uh, why don't you help me with the gardens I'm working on at these Catholic worker houses? Um, in Houston, there's a Catholic, there's two, is a disabled men's home and there's another home for they take in folks that need homes. And so we built gardens for those houses. And uh, that, watching the way those people work, um, with the people they take in, influence the way that I work and treat my employees, right? Having a connection to Urban Harvest, which is a group in Houston that has community gardens. So they have community gardens all over Houston. Um, and I was able to volunteer in their gardens and work in their after school program when I lived in Houston, influence the way that I think about community and the way that I think about, um, how my family eats. So, right. So that all impacts um, the way that I think about the way I feed my animals. For example, Um, we bought our first four acres coming off of all of that experience in uh, Fort Bend County, which is right outside of Houston. And when I tell you it was just four acres of grass, (laughs) our friends from Houston, were like, come and see our farm. And they came, they drove from Houston, like, but this is grass basically. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't have a tractor. I'd never driven one. I mean my neighbor who is a retired rice farmer he taught me how to drag a plow it you know the, all of those people had um, uh, a big impact in in the way that I work and how I And then meeting Monica, I spoke about her, the chef in Houston, and then she introduces you to other folks that have you in their kitchens, right? So, coming out of that um, organic vegetable production, I step into uh, dairy farming, which is really hard to do with organic practices. If you're going to treat your animals like part of your family, right? Because if my goat gets sick, she's getting antibiotics if she needs it, right? Or if somebody has uh, uh, needs warmer, they're getting a chemical warmer. But um, with that in mind, we try to do the least amount possible and to work with our natural systems uh, as much as we can. And what I know, right, from my few years of of being in the commercial herd is that the more that I can work with those natural systems, the better it is for my animals and for my bottom line, because anytime I I treat a goat with something that doesn't fall in line with what is natural, um, then I have to take her off my line and withhold milk for a certain amount of time that the state tells me. Right. So, um, and that impacts what goes into my product and, and how much product we have to sell. So it's, uh, it's been a long journey. And and not there's give and take right? with the way that you feel like things would be ideal to be and the way that they end up being. I, I love a quote. I think it was Amelia Sweetheart from Pure Luck outside of Austin. She often says, if it doesn't work for the farmer, it doesn't work for the farm. And, and I think of that often when I was like, oh, I have to make this compromise, you know? Um, and, but is it working for me? Is it working for my animals? That's the key. Right. So it all comes back to that. And then the soil, right? So that's one thing I try not to, to, um, to bend on because really believe that that is the beginning and the end of of our health and our life so we we don't use a lot of sprays hardly any at our farm um wet ants we have a lot in texas we deal with those in the most um organic and holistic way possible we have a invasive species uh of sedge grass that is pretty awful because it crowds out all of our native grass species which my goats would much prefer to eat our native grasses than sedge that's so high in silica. So our pig project is one of the ways that we can eradicate the sage without spraying a sedge side on it. Because
0: very interesting. I didn't know when you had said that you were getting these pigs for land management, I was trying to think, okay, um, in my very limited experience with pigs, the most management that they do to land is rooting it up. <laughs> so, which isn't a positive thing <laughs> so that's
2: that is fascinating that they can help with some noxious weed control yeah so think about sedge grass being like uh, waist high and i'm six feet tall <laughs> so it's pretty um a rigorous plant with a base of like six inches right and it's the goats will eat it but they can only do so much and then if it, it it roots under the ground with a nut and it spreads that way. So the only way you can really kill it, they say, is with a I've been pretty successful with the pigs because the the nut has protein in it and they will eat it. It takes a lot of pressure because um, we rotate our pigs on that pasture every seven days. So there's some places we have to come back because they didn't get it all out. But um, so far that has been the best thing that i can do and once the pigs leave we're seeing our our natives grasses having a, a fighting chance <laughs> to come back after the set so
0: wow that's that is fascinating um speaking of soil and so forth uh you had mentioned in in our uh, notes that you never allow the black gold that your goats produce <laughs> to leave your farm can you yeah. talk a little bit about that because honestly um you know, to to quote some other wise people that I know, if you have goats, you have a poop problem.
2: <laughs> I get calls a lot from people that want to clean my barn out. Right? I'm like, yeah, but you can, you can clean it out, but you can't take it. <laughs> you gotta leave it with me, and then they don't want to work. <laughs> <laughs> right? So, um, yeah, no, we try to incorporate that back into the work that we're doing to enrich our soil. We have a a soil that they call the Beaumont clay and, and it has a lot of good stuff locked up in it and what it needs to release that good stuff is organic matter. And my goats produce that all day, every day. (laughs) in a nice pelleted form. Yes. Yes. Try to keep it there as much as I can.
1: (laughs) So you, you talked about some of the holistic practices there, but one thing kind of in our notes I wanted to point out was your pasture rotation there. And, and you mm-hmm. probably have more pasture than I do. So what is your pasture rotation there? And what are the, some of the things that you do with that pasture rotation?
2: Yeah. And I wish I I did more of it. The, to, the constraints that I have from marketing and selling all those things, other hats that I have to wear, keep me from, doing more of this that I would like to, but we make sure that the goat, the grass that our goats are on is at least six inches tall. Um, we're lucky in that we have, um, um, some shrub, like shrubbery and, um, trees that the goats can browse and also a grassland pasture. So we try to switch it up You know, they have access to about four acres of pasture um, all day, every day. And then we break that up with walks that I take with them. Uh, So we try to walk at least once a day for an hour or more with them to give them access to different things. Goats do not like to walk in, in places where the grass is taller than them. Or it's a weird place it's never been. So accompanying them helps a lot. And once they grow to trust you, they will follow you to get to the good. <laughs> I
0: absolutely <laughs> love this mental picture, Stacy, of of, you know, warmer weather taking a nice little daily hike for a while with the goats chasing after you. And of course, you know, you get a little bit too far and then you've got a whole bunch of them running after you. I just, I just love that picture. I can see that being so good, not only for the goats getting to new pasture, but mental health good for, for the goat herder.
2: Oh, it's fantastic. You know, when the day sometimes days just go south and you're like, okay, guys, I got to go with the goats for a little while. I <laughs> tell the ladies in my kitchen and they're like, oh, Lord, here she goes again. <laughs> so, yeah, sometimes that walk just to clear your mind, uh, it's a, a good thing. The goats are amazing. <laughs>
1: What about uh, sourcing your inputs there? And it says in the notes, kind of, you love to source as many local inputs as possible. What inputs are you sourcing locally from a grain perspective? And then, if you have to buy hay,
2: yes, we, um, we, we, we've bailed on our property in the in the past. I have an ag exemption for hay. Um, I like to buy hay from other folks if possible because I'm. Taking the sun and the the work of that farmer and 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 adding it to my own lands, right? We talk about organic matter. So instead of removing the carbon on my farm through haying, I can let it stay and add to it. The work of another person is pretty fantastic. So we are um, we buy hay grazer. Uh, which is sorghum and Sudan grass from a local uh, guy who's bailing. Uh, I drive an hour and a half to get hay. That's why I was curious about you guys. Um, wow. Yeah. And so, um, and and then um, oh, I lost my train of thought. Oh, that's okay. We um, Okay. So the hay, uh, sorghum in Sudan, we use uh, his hay as much as it is available. And then um, switch to alfalfa when we can't get his anymore until he he bails again, because sometimes we run up, up against that. So um, grain, so we're buying our grain from two separate mills in South Texas. One is in Weimar. The other is in West Texas, which I guess would be Central Texas, both of them. But they're not very far from us, so... feels good that um, those are both Texas mills that are making a very good product for us. So it was a hard road to find a feed that we could hang our hats on. And it took me probably six or seven years to hit something that works for us. But this one, this combo does. So,
0: so hay grazer that I I'm, I'm going to have to do some more looking into that because I'm always interested in different forages and haze, but you said you have, you switch to alfalfa when you can't find that. So do you find that your does do better on the hay grazer? Their production is better than what it is on alfalfa.
2: I, I find that it's comparable. At least the, the hay, the hay that we're buying from this guy um, is, is pretty close and it's local, right? Um, to, Now, it it often tends, like, once we go into production, that's when I I buy the alfalfa, (laughs) right? Because, like, I bought hay from him last week, uh, and he's at the end of what his barn had. So we'll probably next month switch to alfalfa right when our milk comes in. And then he won't have hay available until June or July. So, um, you know, it's hard to say. How, because the milk changes every month, right, With um, the, as the lactation changes. Your, sure. So um, the uh, alfalfa is much more expensive for us because there's not a good source close. I think New Mexico, right, is the closest that our alfalfa is coming, where the hay grazer is sorghum sudan. And it can be grown all over across Texas, or at least this eastern, southern eastern part of Texas. Very really cool. Yeah.
1: So, you, a couple a couple questions here from that last comment. There, one, I guess my first question is, is: How do you keep the product consistent, even though the milk changes? You know, with hay quality or the time of the year.
2: Yeah. So I see a change in my product. I don't know if other folks. Can sense it as much. I've had one or two customers comment, but our product in the fall is considerably different than what I make in the springtime, just because of the fat content in the milk. As the fat rises, the product I think becomes more creamy and delicious. Um, in the spring, it's a little less um, full flavor, right? And that's the 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 milk is different at, in the spring than it is in the fall
1: okay and then during the winter how do you i guess if, if goats are going off lactation how do you make sure you have enough milk around to make a product
2: yeah so we stop this past in 2021 we stopped production in september i purchased um a year ago a walk-in freezer so we're able to make product all year in the summer when we have a lot, a lot of milk. We make a lot of popsicles and just freeze them. And when I, when the freezer was full in September, I just made a decision that we would stop at the end of September. So we actually cut off our production at the end of September. And it have, I still have product in that walk-in freezer. So not the pop. I don't have strawberry, chocolate, or vanilla. So next year I'm going to tweak the way we stock it. It'll be a little different. I learn something new every season. But um, we've been able to to ex- um, change our business model a little bit just with the um, addition of the asset, which was amazing.
1: So how do you get them? Do you – what's the – okay, it's the transport there. That's what it is. So mm-hmm. how do you transport these products then from your farm or your freezer to your places where you're going?
2: Yeah, we started, when we first started, I, I had a, um, a pickup truck <laughs> and we would put this ice cream freezer in the back of my pickup truck and I would drive with dry ice all around town. Delivering oh my, my- goodness. <laughs> That's a lot. It was crazy. And, and and so I would go to a farmer's market and like have to pull the freezer out of the. And, and I have a friend um, that Blue Heron Farm, the same people that make our cohetas. She says to me, you need one of these little Ford Transit vans, Stacey, because you could lift the freezer to your knees and not to your waist. <laughs> and so I went off looking for a little Ford Transit van. And you know what? I found one less than 40 minutes from my farm with a handicap lift in it. Well, and that's perfect. Yeah, no, and I, I I, I talked to the used car salesman. And he's like, I don't know why they did this. It takes up so much space. Like, who's going to buy this vehicle? <laughs> and I was like, can I take it to my mechanic, please? <laughs> I, I drove it to our little town is Needville. I drove it to Needville like, Mark, what do you think about this? Because the the used car guy, he didn't know how to make the lift work. Well, Mark figured it out, and so I was like, "Yeah, let's we're gonna buy this little car." And it's pretty cool that I have this freezer in this van. And Mark, that same mechanic, um, he he wires all the police cars in our town. So he he knew, you know, they have to run lights and computers and all this stuff in their police cars. So he knew how to wire it, the van so that it runs my freezer while I'm driving down the road. So we can like make deliveries with a cold product, frozen product.
1: That's, that's cool. That's literally yeah. cool.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, Oh, you're punny Cameron.
1: Good job. Oh. <laughs> <You're one. laughs> yeah. Um. so, You, um, talk about some of the competitions you've been in there. What, what's probably, it looks like you've won some awards, including at the Adga side there, but what, what awards have you guys won for your products?
2: Yeah, we won, we won. My favorite, I think was when we first started, we, um, participated in Houston livestock show and rodeo. Uh, they have a contest called best bites and we entered back. I had to pop in that contest and, um, we took we took first place. There were three hundred desserts, y'all, and our little popsicle. It it took the contest. That was so much fun. We won a um a like a reader's choice award through Edible Houston, the local hero award. Um, I took second place in Texas Works, which is a contest uh, sponsored by Go Texan, which is uh, sponsored by our Department of Agriculture. And we lost to tamales in Austin. Oh, oh. <laughs> if you want to lose to something, might as well be tamales, right?
0: <laughs> no, I would go popsicle any day over tamales. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and then, of course, this fall we we won the, we won confection for and the products competition for Ag. And I just want to give that contest a plug to any of the listeners who. Um, it, whether you're making cheese or convection or soap, like whether you're an amateur or you're doing it commercially, it's a great contest to participate in because a lot of fun and you get great feedback from the judges. I participated as an amateur, uh, when the convention was in Atlanta and we, I think took first place in, um, the amateur contest, but that, The notes that came from the judges at that contest—it was a a judge from Mississippi State that year, I believe—and it really gave me the confidence to take the next step. Like that was the year when I was on sabbatical, thinking about what we were wanted to do. Did I want to stop vegetable farming and build a dairy? Like get a bank loan and build this this dairy building, right? And get inspected by the state of Texas and. Coming off of that contest with the feedback that I got gave me the confidence of like you know what this is a good thing I can do this, so I encourage uh, folks to think about participating because it it was and this year winning the um, confection was was really nice for for our farm. So, so thinking
1: towards the future, what is what's the market look like as you continue to go forward with this?
2: We're um, yeah, so that's the the next thing, right? is like where do we see ourselves in the n- next three to four years? And it's <laughs> because of the the way things change, um, it's hard it's really hard to say, like do I wanna uh, put our eggs? in the the restaurant basket or do we want to um because there's only so much energy that you have right to promote and and push and sometimes those things uh markets or opportunities come like you weren't looking for them and they just appear and sometimes you have to work really hard and sometimes you're building a base for the next thing in the future right so what does that look like for me going forward I'm not 100% sure. Jay and I talk a lot about that. Um, What does it mean for the next year? I know that we're focused on our farmer's market in Houston. We're staying strong in that. That market pays my bills. So I will be for sure there. And freezers that um, have consistently ordered with us through this year, we're going to maintain those. But I think we're going to shake up some things In the future, maybe look for some new opportunities with regards to where we place our freezers and foot traffic and those kind of things. And then also taking a step into um, mailing uh, our product because I I looked into it last year. I had a customer who uh, was sick in the hospital and was missing her grandkids and said, Stacey, can you mail Pops to Nevada. <laughs> and I said, oh, <laughs> absolutely, Marianne, I will do that for you. And then we realized the shipping was more than the product, right? So, like, I know there's a better way to do it and how to crack the nut. And so I'm working really, really hard on um, on that because I, I hate to tell someone like her uh, it's not feasible. But um, – and I know that there's folks – in and around Texas, that would um, buy my product that way without me having to drive to Dallas or, you know, Texas is a big place. So, <laughs> so
0: it nice. isn't that or Missouri. Yeah. You know, I mean, you can figure out how to mail them to Missouri. Yeah,
2: yes, ma'am.
0: Yeah. Yes, yes, Illinois, Illinois. or, <laughs> or, or Wisconsin.
1: To. Yeah, whatever state I'm living in. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Stacy. Thank you so much for being our guest on the podcast this week. It truly was an honor.
2: Yeah. It's an honor for me to be on your show. I just love, I love, love your podcast. I wait for Wednesdays.
0: (laughs) Well, and and I'm just tickled that you said yes, because ever since I ate that blissful popsicle, I've thought we need to get her on, on goat gab because I, I just think it's so unique what you do. Um, You know, we have so many talented people in the dairy goat world, Uh, so many amazing soap makers and and body lotion and bath bombs and and, and just amazing stuff, cheese makers. And uh, I love Unique products and you definitely have hit the home run with Unique with your popsicles. So thanks again for being on here.
2: Oh, no, thank you guys.
1: Where can our listeners find more information about All We Need Farm and where can we potentially, when you get that figured out, order your popsicles from?
2: Yes, sir. So we have, um, I have a Facebook and Instagram page and I, I do my best to post every day there. I also have a website, com and um, I have a storefront there that's empty right now, but soon will be populated with, um, we're going to sell our pops this coming year, not in individual pieces, but by um, groups of flavors. We have a coffee shop bag. We have a core flavor bag. We have an eat the rainbow bag. And so those will be up on the website fairly soon. And hopefully that's what we're going to step forward with, with our mail outs. So, um all we need Awesome. Well, and you're well, also on Facebook. Yes, yeah, too. Facebook and Instagram as well. That's right. And I'm supposed to yes. be having a TikTok project, but I, it's complicated, y'all. <laughs> 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 I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there.
1: <laughs> yeah. well, well, thank you again for being our guest. Um, This was a fun one and very different. And I love that our goat community allows us to talk to really interesting people about this. And this is a great breath of fresh air um, in the dairy goat world today. Uh, So Um, thank you again. Thank you.
2: I appreciate you guys.
1: Okay, well, listeners, as always, if you like us, tell a friend. If not, give us some feedback. Feedback is a blessing there. Feel free to rate us on Spotify, Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a review as well there if you like us again. Drop us a message on Facebook or reach out to Laura or myself on Facebook. We love to interact as well. Again, if you are interested in becoming a sponsor of the podcast, feel free to navigate to our Facebook page and find that information to sign up to be a sponsor there. We are actively not soliciting, but soliciting sponsors for that as well. I think we've had a couple people reach out already on that part and we're uh, getting our sponsorship lined up based off of that uh, intake form there.
0: Speaking of sponsors, we'd like to thank Rocket S Ranch again and Amanda Shipley from her uh, beautiful farm in Pennsylvania. Thank you for being our sponsor this week with your Gossip Goat Soap. So don't forget to give her a check out on um, Facebook or on her website at gossipgoatsoap.net.
1: Awesome. Thanks, listeners, and have a great week.
0: We'll see you all next week. Thanks for being part of us.